Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Toddcast Show. Today, we're joined by our guest, Troy Hadid. Good morning, Troy. How are you today? I'm good, Todd. Morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, where are you calling from today, Troy? Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, oh really? Trinidad, yeah. Wow, and you're not talking Trinidad, California, are you? No, 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 no. I'm in the Caribbean, so for some listeners that might not know, because, you know, we're so tiny, some people are like, Trinidad, where's that? And we are the southernmost island in the Caribbean, so we're, we're right off the coast of Venezuela. Right on, man. You sound a little a little like a Jamaican, so it's uh, that kind of style. The island style, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, a little island accent. Jamaican style, I tend to be a little bit harsh and hungry. Oh, it's all good. This yeah, is, I heard it. This is, about Marley. Yes, yeah. They say Trinidadian accent is a little bit more sing song They describe it as adult. Very cool. All of it seems so casual and wonderful. I love it. And can you tell our listeners what you do for a living? Yeah, I am. Well, I've been teaching yoga for over 15 years. And oh. I just finished writing a book that comes out in October. So I guess I am calling myself an author. Awesome. And um, generally, I like to believe that um, I just try to make a better place. Good on, man. That's yeah. beautiful. Very cool. So as you know, we're here to discover your journey to success. And I definitely am excited to explore this. Um, let's start early on in life and see where it goes. Um, can I just ask a couple of questions just to get an idea of some general dynamics? 
Yeah, hope I can answer them. I'll try. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure you will be um, able to answer these. Did you yeah. grow up with siblings? Yeah, I have um, two older brothers and seven years youngest. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? That's cool. Yeah, my older brothers are seven years apart as well, but each of them seven years, so it goes me then seven years and seven years. Yeah. And are your parents still with us? Yeah, my parents are. My dad just in 86 about two years ago. Sorry, two days ago. Sorry. Two my mom's 84, and they are both still very much rocking. And yeah, I haven't had to say goodbye to them just yet. Thank God, man. That's a beautiful thing. And do they live in Trinidad as well, or do yeah. they live somewhere else? Yeah, they live here, and um, they have two grandkids, uh, my brother's two kids. And uh, yeah, my dad is, he still rocks and works every day. He's in the office every single day. Mm, and yeah. That's beautiful. Very nice, yes. A true sense of purpose, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, something we have to keep. Yeah, man, I could. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, and where were you born? I was born in Trinidad. I've, I lived most, most of my life here. I went to university in Florida, in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, I did a little bit of traveling. You know, I went ship in my last semester, walked across Costa Rica and forward, did some traveling to India and North America, sort of North in Canada. So I've done quite a bit of traveling, um, but I now went back in Trinidad. I've always really lived in Trinidad. That's beautiful. What a cool life. It always seems like the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, but I, I guess it's probably not the same grass. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think everywhere that has their struggles and the pros and the cons and really been looking for. Totally, man. Totally. Um, and may I ask, um, in your earlier childhood, like as far back as you can go, what's the earliest memory that you have? Man, that, that question Todd, like, it's so hard because sometimes I see pictures, mm -hmm. but is that picture actually a memory or does that picture project download that as a memory? You know? Yes. So I actually think if I had to answer that, one of my earliest memories, I have two. One of them is running along a poolside about a, at a, there was a house in Tobago that we went to on a family vacation. And I was running around in pool with my brothers and they were playing Buffalo Soldier by Bob Marley. And I must have been about four or four, five years old. And I think that's the first time I remember hearing Bob Marley, hearing his music and feeling his music. Wow. And that memory is very clear in my head. And the other memory I have is I went on a pool slide with like wings on because I couldn't swim. And when I hit in water, my wings flew off. And it was some kind of adult party. And I have this very clear image in my head of my mom diving in the pool, completely decked off in a dress and a makeup and the earrings. And I have this picture of in my head mid-air diving in the Wow. That's so funny. Why did she do that? To, just to save you? Yeah, I couldn't swim. So I had on these like... Oh, right, 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 right. Floaties. Gotcha. And when I, when I came off the slide, like, floaties flew off. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, yeah. Isn't that cool, man? Like, um, it's so nice. Like, like parents, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, it's like, nobody should let the child sink to the bottom of the pool, but it's, it's so amazing to me sometimes how a parent's instinct works. I don't have children, so I don't know what it's like, but under the same conditions, I guess, you know, we'd all be led to want to jump in and be helpful. But like, there's just something about that. That's so beautiful, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not even a thought about it, you know. It's like that's the love of a mother and father. It's 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 just a great thing, man. Yeah, I don't have kids either, but I, I look at all my friends with kids, and it's so beautiful to see them in the role of a parent. It makes me so happy and so proud of them. It's the amazing things, and I see yeah. how much they give up for their kids, you know. Yeah, that sacrifices everything, and especially in today's world. I mean, it was tough enough when we were younger. I, I, I don't know how old you are. Uh, I'm 51. How old are you? I'm old. Okay. No, I'm 43. I'm 43. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you still feel like you're about 20, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel about 30, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, the, you know, things are a little bit different, man, and you know, um, I really can't completely understand it, but like the world is changed quite a bit. You know, things were so simple. We had rotary dial phones and, you know, back in the day you had to go to someone's house to see if they were home. You know, you couldn't just like send a message and, you know, while you're waiting, you know, get DoorDash and have an Uber come and take you somewhere. Like none yeah. of that stuff. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh, I talk to strangers as I yeah, exactly. Like we're doing right now. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and then as, um, a child, what was your childhood like growing up in Trinidad? Man, what I say about that talk is, um, you know, I can't remember too much of my childhood, to be honest. I'm allowed to ask my mom and she doesn't really tell me. But I will tell, I will say that. You know, I grew up with what I call um, a very tangible sense of privilege. Mm. And when I speak to privilege, sure, my, my family was comfortable and I never wanted anything financially. I always had money. And yes, I'm light-skinned in a country that permanently made up of people dark skin. And I'm straight, so they're all those privileges. Well, when I speak to privilege, I think the, the largest privilege in our world is that of love and security. And I don't think it's spoken of enough. Um, when you are, when, when you ask about my childhood, one thing I can say for sure is I grew up with a never ending sense of love, security, and so no matter what. Even in my, my later adolescence, when more I I broke a lot of, I think from a really young age, I, I really rattled what was considered normal and expected. And um, even in doing that, even when I didn't talk, I went a bit nuts or out of the box, so strange. Never did anyone withdraw their love and support. No. And um, oh. I think that that is one of the primary things that has shaped me as an individual. That's awesome, man. That is really awesome. And of course, you probably, I'm guessing, attribute that to your parents because that sounds like uh, good parental guidance. 
Yeah, my, you know, my parents and my brothers, but I also give a lot of it to my friends, Todd. Because mm-hmm. anyone who knows anything about Trinidad and Caribbean culture, it revolves in a lot of ways around partying and drinking. It's a very drinking, socially drinking-oriented culture. I see. And from a very young age, um, I made a decision that I wasn't going to touch up from the age of like 15 years old. And mm-hmm. all my friends at that age were out drinking and getting drunk as teenagers and even now they do that. But um, never, never once, even though I made different choices to my friends and the social circle, same thing, I always felt that. Sure, I was a little strange at all different rules and, and that was discussed, but never did I feel outcasted or segregated or different. You know, I just always felt accepted. So I also give um, give my friends and my social circles a lot of that credit as well. Very cool, man. Very cool. At what age do you think about that you discovered that you were a spiritually minded person? Um, I think I think as a as a kid, I was always really connected to the teachings of Christ of Jesus. Yes. And like you, I grew up. Well, I don't know if you grew up, but I grew up in a Catholic home. But when what and went to Catholic school and so on. But one thing. I think I realized from a young age was that I did not really connect to or agree with everything I was being told within the box of organized religion. Yeah. And while I connected to Christ as my teacher and and I I aim to live a life like Christ did. I still do to this day. It's an ongoing struggle in this yes. yeah. but um I think from a really young age, I was connected to that something bigger. And I think that I can accredit to that to my parents, my mom, my upbringing, but also the influence, I think, of reggae music and Rastafarian culture from yes. age is also very God-focused, very spiritual, you know? So Absolutely. I think those 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 things have been influenced from me. That's cool, man. Yeah, I didn't really discover reggae music until I was in high school, but it was huge. It was so wonderful. Like, I'm really glad that it entered my life. I, I like all kinds of music, but yeah, for me, like reggae is like that, you know, and I can kind of understand, but, you know, again, you know, you never really know until you're there, but like, you know, being on the beach in California and listening to that stuff, man, was just so liberating and yeah. beautiful. So having it built into your culture seems like a, you know, that should be on your list of, uh, you know, entitlements that you receive. Like, that's amazing. Like, how cool is that? Like, reggae culture, dude, like built in your society. That's just really neat in my mind. And, you know, it, but what I've realized, you know, I've, as I've grown up, taught into adulthood and, you know, found my own journey and my own art and discover my own beliefs, is I've had to look at and face, you know, reggae and Rastafarian culture allow me to dissolve and challenge a lot of my own conditioning and my own narrative growing up. 
But as I continued to go into my adulthood and discover all I really believe, I also then had to look at a lot of the conditioning that came with Reggae and Rastafarian culture that I then had to question and challenge on my own to realize that, no, that was that is not what I do. That is not what I stand by, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And um, as you were growing up, did you face any particular challenges going through childhood? I think... Is there any, anything that held you back or tried to hold you back? I mean, I had them challenges, minor things like I remember other writing disability and stuff like that. Um, I think my, you know, it's funny if if right off the bat, if you ask me that question, my go-to answer revolves at least to my privilege. Because, you know, like growing up in Trinidad, it's a Caribbean island, the vast majority of the population are African and Indian, African and Indian. Uh, my family is of Syrian Lebanese descent, my dad. My mom is of Irish descent. So I am a light skinned and born into a family of the name Hadid, carries in Trinidad a certain stereotype of wealth and comfort. Um, right, so I think one of my biggest challenges growing up is not wanting to be seen as different, not wanting to be seen as separate. And I often thought, well, there were times when I didn't want people to know what my last name was. I didn't want to tell them what neighborhood I grew up in. I would tell them my next door neighbor. I didn't want to spy, you know? And I think... um it was just really interesting. It, it was almost as if I was ashamed of my privilege and my circumstances. Wow. And do you think, I mean, honestly, I'm just kind of connecting with what you're saying, and it yeah. seems like you would have a sense of compassion for those that don't have the privilege, and that's why you wanted to hide it, right? Yeah. But I think, what, again, you know, it's not right, and you said keeps coming back, but I think that, was what influenced me and helped me see the reality outside of my book. It helped me recognize that uh, this, the, these circumstances and this reality that existed outside my own comfort in my book. And, um, you know, at 10 years old and tardy, I wrote a letter to the editor. This was 1990. It's when Gulf Wars happened. In 1990? Yes. I was 10. That's so crazy. I, I was, graduated high school in that year. Just to huh. in. <laughs> so I was 10 then. And I, wow. I wrote this letter to the editor of my national newspaper. And a copy of that letter was sent to Saddam Hussein. And to Jack Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev. Oh my gosh. So okay. my, my mom made me send a copy of this letter to one of our current practice at the time. And it was simply a letter that was, that was pleading for the letter of our world to wake up and stop fighting and, and wake up to global warming and all that was happening in life. Oh. We get all get along. And of course, See. I was tense. But... Um, but I often look at my mom and I ask her, what in the world drove me at 10 years old to write a letter like that? 
And I can only, the only thing I can relate to was that through the influence of individuals like Bob Marley and reggae music and the teachings of Christ, that I recognized that I wanted and had to be in a better place. Yeah. And that I was going to do everything I could to try to make that impact. Absolutely. Um, you just reminded me of kind of a funny uh, story. Would you mind if I do a quick share with you? No, please. Okay, so you were 10 years old. At the time, I was probably 18. And um, I remember my friend and I were really worried about getting drafted. We thought that, you know, they were talking about reinstituting the draft, and we thought we were going to get drafted to go to war. And my, my buddy and I smoked a lot of pot and really did not want to go to war, right? Like we were listening to reggae music, chilling out in California, riding waves and, you know, body surfing and boogie boarding all the time. And, you know, we weren't down with that. So one night um, we decided to get a few beers. And so somehow or another, we ended up with like a six pack, okay? And my friend had a van and we parked it in a neighborhood not far from where we lived. And we were just chilling out in there, not bothering anybody. And we were drinking our beer, but we were underage. And a cop came along, and uh, you know, that was it. You know, they were very cool about it, but he's like, "Hey, man, I can't let you guys go. You're, you know, you're drinking underage. I need to release you to a parent. But here's what we're gonna do." He goes, uh, "We're gonna go to your house," and then they put us in handcuffs. Um, just for the message to get really, you know, which it worked, you know, it totally worked. Like yeah. that was the only, only time I've ever been in handcuffs other than helping my brother practice for the police academy a long time ago. Um, <laughs> and it was the funniest thing. So like the cop took us home, took us out of the handcuffs, let us go inside to get our favorite parent, as he said, and bring him outside. And he released us to the parent. And I remember my mom was so cool about that. And it really, uh, you know, I wish that she stayed that way, but um, it was a really cool, funny thing that happened, but I was really nervous about the whole thing. So I guess we all handle things in our own way, but yeah, it's like, I was like you and very much against the war and didn't really enjoy the thought of all those people dying and having to fight, especially over some, some agenda that we'll probably never know the truth about. So, you know, I'm with you there, brother. But yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I think your letter was a much better idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's serious. I could um, I can relate to Ludic. Yeah, exactly. And so, tell us a little bit more about how your life evolved and the things that you did that you were successful with, or failures that you experienced. That ultimately led to your success. Can you share some things along those lines? Yeah, well, um, I, uh, my entire childhood, my dream was still becoming like Pele. I don't know if you know Pele, football star. Pele, yes, of course. So that was my dream when I would wake up every morning at 4 a.m. when we in the backyard and I would practice. And that was my life with being football. Well, one girl's called soccer. Mm -hmm. And at 14 years old, I went to a um, coaching center in England, which in Leicester, England, which that one of those centers, a coaching academy where all the scouts would come to look at a young talent. And I went there with a friend when I was 14. And I think I had a very stark realization. 
I really couldn't drink football all that well. Oh. Because there were all these kids, like half my age, who were playing, who were playing better than anything I'd ever seen. And um, I always knew, like, I never, I didn't have any raw talent, but I had a commitment and dedication and will. But um, that experience, I came back home and I remember this night laying in my bed when I, I, it dawned on me at 14 that I'm not going to be a professional football. And um, I had to give up that dream. And I remember, I used to sleep, I tell this story in my book, but I actually used to sleep on with physical soccer balls and footballs in my bed, about four, <laughs> four of them in my bed. I used to have them up like pillows. And I remember lying in my bed and talking to God and just telling God, you know, I'm okay with this in the rest of my life if I can't be a footballer. But just give it, I remember giving rest to God, giving God, just show me, just tell me what you want me to do. Just guide me, you know? Yeah. I, and you were doing that as a teenager? Yeah, yeah. I remember that little conversation I had. And, um, I think that was my first really, really much moment where I had to give up. I remember having to give up something I wanted so bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. In later, in later, about after graduated university. Also, I did a program called Outbound. I don't know if you're from. Mm, I personally. Outbound is now one of these kind of survival wilderness courses. Mm -hmm. And I did one in Costa Rica where we walked across Costa Rica from Caribbean coast to Pacific coast on foot. Mm -hmm. And um, 30 days on foot with an 80 pound backpack. And that was probably one of the most, at that point in my life, one of the hardest experiences ever. And it, it broke me, and I wanted to give up so bad. I actually made up a story that I had to call home just so I could talk to my mom, and she would tell me to get my ass home. And that I just needed that validation to give up. And when I made up this story that my grandmother was dying, just so I could call home, and I called home, and my mom wasn't there. Uh, so I knew I had to finish that journey, to, to that journey, which I like 20 days left in, yeah. you know, and I really do believe, Todd, that, that um, the discomfort and the challenges, they're all part of our transformation. While at times they may feel like they're not, um, we always come up with them. Yeah, sometimes obstacles are actually indicators or lessons that we need to be able to get to that next level, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. And then as you um, evolved into this person, like, did you have other uh, business success and failures? Like, what happened yeah. that led you to where you are now? Yeah. Are you in your okay time? You broke up for a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can now. I just see something like Optimus Prime phone. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Well, what I was just curious about is, um, were there any other business success and failures or personal successes and failures that led to who you are now? 
Yeah. Um, I don't really view anything as a failure. I would have to say that. But or challenge. Challenge. Yeah, challenges. Um, yeah. Sorry. You know, when, when I graduated university, I opened a hemp store. Mm-hmm. So I was, even though, and I want to see this, it, it, it's somewhat, um, I think it, it paints the right picture is that I was not, even though I had a massive influence on Reddy and Master and Felch had a massive influence on me, I was not at any point smoker or user of cannabis. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because when I came back from university, I opened Trinidad's first hemp store. Mm-hmm. And I ran a hemp store retail store for seven years. And I was an advocate for cannabis sativa in Trinidad for over seven years. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, at that point, that was all that I was really passionate about, you know? And there came a time when I had to recognize that I didn't want to run a retail store. It really wasn't doing all that well financially. And I didn't want to run a retail store for the rest of my life. And I think that was when I really shifted gears and moved towards uh, committing to being a yoga teacher. But after that, I also opened an oil recycling business that I ran for another six years and eventually sold that and um, could really then focus my entire life on my yoga studio and being a yoga. Very cool, man. Very cool. And um, along those lines, because like personally to me, yoga is about stretching and breathing and getting your body in balance and alignment. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Yeah. I know it's a challenge. I've tried to do it, man, and I'm not that flexible. So, I'm, you know, I'd have to work to get it. But can you help people just to shift into focus in the area, you know, that you're in right now? What is yoga exactly? How would you define it for people that might not be familiar with the well, concept of yoga? Oh, I would, um, to me, Todd, it is so much more. And I think that's clear when someone steps into my room as a yoga teacher is sure when we think of yoga, we think of physical postures and whether that be stretching or strength building or whatever. But at the foundation of yoga, it's so, so much more, you know, it is, it is developing a relationship with mind with your mind developing a relationship with your breath and really being able to, to cultivate this sense of intention and intimacy in everything we do. But at the very root and foundation of yoga is God. It's the realization of our interconnectedness and our union with God. And, um, you know, with yoga means to join, right, or thin yoke. And very often somebody would ask, well, what are you yoking? And the common answer to that would be, well, I'm joining mind and body and spirit. I'm joining light and dark. I'm joining my dark with God. I'm joining Troy and Paul. Um, and there's, there's also a teaching that says, well, you can't join what was never separate. And I think... In my, in my own words, 
the mind is what creates separation, right? The mind is where our individual identity exists. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have a relationship in mind, well, that sense of I, 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 me, 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 that sense of individual need and desire is unconsciously governing our entire lives. Everything mm -hmm. you can see and think. Mm -hmm. And by cultivating a relationship to our mind, and yoga does that, right? If practiced in, in the correct way, I'm using air quotes here, and you you start to link mind, body, you'll start to link body and breath as you move through your practice. So it almost looks like a moving meditation. And mm -hmm. in, in breath is said to be the one thing that can tame our mind. And as we begin to tame our mind and cultivate this relationship to our mind, we now have a relationship to our sense of individual identity. So it no longer has so much of a hold over us. Whoa. Um, Whoa, something terrible just happened. Can you hear me talk? I'm there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, you're you're completely cut out. Can you hear me now? Uh-oh. Can you hear me talk? Oh, geez. Yeah, we have a little problem here. Is something changed on your side? No, I'm fine. Yeah, now now the Robotron thing is on you, brother. Cool. <laughs> All right, and we were talking about the mind and body connection, I believe, with regard to yoga, but I, I believe we were just discussing uh, how yoga is used to influence or, or change the mind. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, cultivating a relationship in mind. So, so when I'm moving through a yoga practice, a posture, even or what I teach is called vinyasa yoga. the The idea is to sink the breath and the body. So, the breath and the body begins and ends and moves together. Now, for that to happen, the mind has to be absolutely present, right? So we begin to cultivate this relationship with the mind. And the teachings of yoga actually say that we, we practice postures or asana. So with that, we can sit in meditation and prayer for long periods of time. And the more we cultivate this relationship to our mind, of course, is the more we have a relationship with this sense of individual identity. Okay. So that when it shows up in our lives, um, we can see it. We can see it. And I firmly believe, Todd, I say this all the time, that if I did not believe that the practice of yoga had the potential to connect every individual to a deeper relationship to their understanding of God and increased our capacity to love one another, I would walk away from it completely. I have uh, no desire in teaching a physical practice. Right on. Yeah. I'm with you, man. It sounds to me like really what this is about for you is helping other people get connected with God, right? Like it, that's just what I'm sensing here. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of, one of these realization moments along my journey was the discovery that word spirit, like a holy spirit, it actually comes from the Latin word spiritus. And that word means to breathe. Mm. So for me, how that landed is that 
God is moving inside of me 23,000 times a day. I like mm-hmm. to say like he's making love to me 23, to all of us, 23,000 times a day. So mm-hmm. when I step to my yoga mat, it is very much a prayer. It is very much an offering where I take time away from my life and I devote that time to stairs, you know? Yes. Yes, yes. But we should probably clarify that we're not talking about making love in the generic no. sense. This is yes. a, a different, a whole nother level. There's nothing physical involved in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was clear, but good, good well, one. Uh, I just figure I should throw it out there. Yeah, because yeah. I tend to have off-colored humor, and some, you know, I don't, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Like, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But I also, you know, I'm talking about yoga and I remember hearing this story about an Indian saint. His name was Nimkarali Baba. And I'm not big on these gurus and saints, but this one guy I really connect to. And he was very connected to Christ and he spoke of Christ often. And these disciples once came to him and asked him, they said, Baba, which is teacher in India. They said, Baba, Baba, how do we find God? Tell us how to find God. And he tells them, meditate like Christ. So they run off all excited because he actually told them how they could find and discover God. And then they sit and they ask themselves, well, how did Christ meditate? So then they run back to him and they say, Baba, Baba, you told us to meditate like Christ. But how did Christ meditate? And his story goes that he slowly began to cry. Tears began to run down his face. And he said, Christ lost himself in love. And I think that for me, this is a journey of losing. We only begin to glimpse what it means to love when we begin to dissolve our obsession with this individual identity, this I, 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 this me, me, me that um, when we lose ourselves, it's when we discover what it means to love. Mm, how do you lose yourself, man? Like if somebody has no idea how that works or what to do, how, do, I mean, obviously yoga is a tool that would help you lose yourself in that way, I think, but how do you even begin to broach that subject? Wow, what a question to ask, Todd. <laughs> I think... Uh-huh. I said, what a question to ask. That is like you have yeah, yeah, yeah. all the questions. Um, I I think outside of the context of yoga, right? Because yoga is not going to speak to everyone. But I think we have to look at our lives and look at our own conditioning and begin to see where in our lives is our priority. This me, 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 this I, 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 because... You know, the idea of my life, at least, you know, like Bob Marley once said, if his life was just for him and his own security, then he doesn't want it. Right. And I feel the same way that that I want to use my life to serve something greater than myself. Mm. And I think we, we begin to do that but we have to look at our lives and see where we are 
of course, you have to prioritize yourself in some sense, because if you don't take care of yourself and don't care for your own well-being and nature yourself, then you can't love anyone else. But we have to look at our lives and see, well, where is our own sense of identity, our own one's desires and opinions and ideologies getting in our way of loving others and supporting others and accepting others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very important. Um, do you think just, you know, off the cuff, I'm just curious, but do you think people have become more disconnected from God? through the years and generations or do you think that you know people are becoming closer to god in a general sense um you know that's a tough one because i see both i see both happening but Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are are resistant to god and move away from god and kind of run away or resist any mention of the word god and someone once asked me, well, do I think we have to use the word God when speaking of divinity or when speaking of spirit? And I don't, because I think every individual has the right to define their own relationship to God. Agreed. I never allowed anyone to tell me who God what, what God looks like, or what God wants of me, and I will never try to do that anyone else but for me Todd and I don't know if you can relate to this right growing up in a Catholic home and a Catholic upbringing I I can understand why someone might be resistant to like if if, well why well if 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 let, let's speak plainly if I look at the the wrongs or the misalignment that has come through in the name of religion, all organized religion, mm-hmm. I can understand why someone might be resistant because God, religion in a lot of ways locks God into a box. Mm-hmm. And it says that we have to do certain things. And we have to abide by certain things. And in a lot of ways, it tells us that we should fear God. And it's it's surrounded by a lot of the judgment and this fear. And I always question, well, how can you love someone you're afraid of? Right. You know, and uh, for me, it's like, I want to please God because I love God. Not mm-hmm. because... Because I love God and I can see and acknowledge God and divinity in all aspects of creation. Not because I'm trying to avoid the punishment that might come if I don't love God or do as God wants right. me to do. And I see. So, so to get back to that is one of the reasons I choose to use it with God is because I don't want to create any more separation in a world and in someone's relationship to the divine. Like, hmm. to me, it's all the same God. And I also want to have an opportunity to realign the misalignment that has come through the the teachings of organized religion that someone might be resistant to. So I believe that we can't, 
we can't correct misalignment if we're not willing to acknowledge misalignment. Absolutely. And I know through... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to interrupt. Did no, you want to continue? You go ahead, please. I could talk a lot. Sometimes. Oh no, it's okay. Yeah, I don't want to miss anything, and I certainly don't mean to be. You know, I yeah. I, I don't I don't want to cut you off on accident or anything like that. Yeah, no. After <laughs> but you, you make, you're making me think of things. You know, um, so like in my walk as a Christian man, you know, I found that prayer is a really a really deep and amazing and unbelievably generous gift, man. And like the ability to pray and speak with God and ask for, you know, his, however you believe his provision. Um, you know, I grew up, uh, believing in things like manifestation. My father was a really great metaphysician. He had the ability literally to manifest things and, like predictably and with certain outcome develop like circumstances and conditions and attract people and, and things like it was amazing. He even cured his own cancer. He had a golf ball sized tumor before I was born and the night before, and I've verified the story with enough of my relatives to know it's really true. I was born in 1971 he had a tumor in his lung. It was on an x-ray. They said, you need an operation. And he went into the hospital, spent the night, the morning of the operation before they wheeled him into surgery. He said, nope. And he goes, you're not taking me anywhere. And uh, they kind of like, you know, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, you don't need to do that because um, the tumor is gone. And they laughed, you know, or whatever. And he goes, no, I'm serious. You're going to need to take another x-ray if you're going to wheel me anywhere. Otherwise, I'm going home. And um, so if they finally took another x-ray. Yesterday, tumor. Today, no tumor. And uh, he got in, got in his clothes and called my grandmother and got a ride home. That was wow. the end of it. And he smoked like a chimney for the rest of his life, four packs a day sometimes. And he drank like a fish, you know, but he was a really special guy, you know, very gifted. And so I learned a lot about metaphysics from him and the yeah. concept of being able to do these things. But I don't think everybody really has that benefit. And I'm so grateful that he was in my life for, for some time. He was gone for most of it, but he did uh, manage to make it back for enough of it to show me that there was something more than just the me, like you said, and yeah. the I. It was really more about you know, how we're interconnected with the universe and different things along those lines. And I'm with you, man. Like, I believe everybody has the right and the privilege and all that to discern God in whatever way that is most comfortable for them. And I think that that's fine. I don't think there should be any judgment over anybody's beliefs. Um, you know, we have those beliefs for a reason. Perhaps God speaks to us in a different language through those beliefs, whatever it is. I'm with you, you know, everyone's yeah. accepted. <laughs> um, but I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit on um, things relevant to manifestation in prayer. You know, I, I know that that's probably part of what we're doing here. And and I just wonder if maybe you could shed a little light on how that process works and some of the value that it can hold for people who haven't discovered it yet. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, this is this to me is has to come with a disclaimer because it's so powerful, but it also comes with a massive responsibility. 
wasn't about to share. And okay. remember, remember when I told you, Todd, that the word spirit comes from Latin root meaning to breathe. That's right. So my understanding is that the breath of God, like there's a divine agency that lives and breathes every living thing and every human being. So my first step in connecting dot was realizing that my yoga practice was a form of prayer. That was my intimate time with spirit moving through my body. Mm-hmm. But then, but then, like I mentioned, I, I began to wonder, well, God moves through me 23,000 times a day. Like spirit is always moving in and out of my body. So I began to uh, my perspective is that we are living embodiments of prayer. And prayer and manifestation is just a new age term for word prayer. Mm-hmm. And what the inconvenient truth about manifestation and prayer is that it's not something you can choose to do in the morning or choose to do at night. Or it's not something you choose to do at some point in the day or when you go to church or when you go to temple. We are living embodiments of prayer. What that means is every action, every word, and every thought is a prayer. And it's it's what we're manifesting. But the problem is that most of the time, our thoughts are unconscious. We don't recognize the impact of our actions and our words. So we are living, we are living and we are living prayers unconsciously rather than consciously directing our words, our actions, and our thoughts to and recognizing that they are prayers. Interesting. And they return, you know, I believe that our thoughts carry energy and you know, everything operates according to different frequencies. And there's something about like different things that you put out there. And it's almost like a radio signal with a magnet. And that's how I look at it. And so you, I, I'm hearing you loud and clear. And the first thing that comes to mind is Earl Nightingale. Do you know who that is? I know his name. Yes. I well, basically, the strangest secret is that his claim to fame he uh, recorded this really great uh sales message actually but it ended up being like a complete smash hit like he recorded it in the 50s on a record because he was a sales manager in a company and he couldn't be there on a particular day so he recorded this message it's called the strangest secret and basically the idea is that ultimately we become what we think about. And so if we focus our mind and program our mind, you know, in a way that is uh, good and positive, the outcome should be good and positive. But a lot of times people end up poisoning their mind and having uh, what what most would, you know, be considered failure. Um, And then the surprising fact of the whole thing is that there's such a small percentage of people who ever rise above these things, uh, much less become aware of them. You know, it's really quite striking because life should be so much more meaningful. But he teaches us that basically what we put into our mind and carry around with it will determine our outcome. And I tend to believe it. You know, that, that's kind of the same thing as what you're talking about. Yeah. It sounds pretty similar, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it lends to why, Todd, 
cultivating a relationship with our mind is so important because that then leads us to be able to be more intentional with our words, our actions, and our thoughts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, for people that aren't familiar with it, it sounds a little crazy, maybe the idea of manifesting, but manifesting is really nothing more than putting out your intention in a faithful manner. And faith is believing in something that's not seen that you can't currently see, but manifesting is the realization of that. Yes. You know, if you need that job or want to meet that person, you can actually manifest those things. And there's people out there that are very, very good at that. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes I do it too. And, you know, it seems like a miracle, but like in all reality, we're programmed to be able to do that on a regular basis, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or at least we're able to. That's what they say. We only use like 10% of our mind. You know, it's like imagine if we use the other 90%. Well, what could we do? You know, we probably wouldn't need AI. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I know. You know, now, yeah. now Christ did say as well, Todd, what Jesus said. He says, you will do far greater things than that. Wow. Yeah, well, the stuff that he's done is pretty amazing, man. Like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to even try to compete for that. <laughs> man, don't know. Don't sell yourself short. You never know. Uh, you never know. Yeah, I know you're exactly right. But yeah. he was the great teacher, and wow, what a sacrifice. And I'm really glad I found my faith because uh, without it, I think my life would be empty. And, you know, it really seems like uh, with faith, life is so much better. And, it just aligns things that would otherwise be lost in the ether, you know, and all that. So it's a real blessing. I think ultimately God is so wonderful, man. Like, and, and he brought us here together today, you know, clearly. And here we are praising him. And um, I think it's really important for people to recognize the value and the power in that. It's way deep, man. And sometimes it takes a little to get to it, but like... It's so wonderful once you do, like, uh, God is very important. So anyone listening, like, if you're looking for an answer, try looking up, you know, yeah. try looking up and close your eyes and open your heart and speak with God and watch God do his work with you. It's, it's truly amazing. It really is. And, uh, we're getting close. We got about 10 minutes left and I don't want to miss anything. Um, I know there's a lot of different things that we could have and probably should have talked about, but is there anything in particular that we might have missed that's important to speak of today that uh, might be on your heart or your mind this, this morning? Um, you know, God, it's just, all, all I could say is that we are, each one of us, we are so powerful. And um, every word, every action, every thought, actually changes the world. It impacts the people around us. It impacts people on the other side of the world. Every social media post, everything. Even random strangers walking past a stranger on the street, you don't even have to say a word and you can change the entire day. Yeah. And um, I think we just need to recognize how powerful we are, but that goes both ways. It means that we can have a positive, mad, magical, miraculous experience on the people around us, impact on the world. But sometimes if we're not paying attention, we can do the opposite. 
That's right. And I think it's really important for us not just to look at the flowers and rainbows of who we are in our lives, but to really look at the areas of our lives where we need to do better, where we need to be better. And I Absolutely. think that is that that's a massive responsibility, but we can create the way we want to live in. We can embody love that almost seems impossible to embody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Life is so much more. And uh, I think we get caught up in all the rat race and the weird things and God, politics. It's why I don't like talking about it. It's really distracting to the spirit, man. It's like, it's like the worst thing for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, God is everything. And putting God first seems to be the answer for me. You know, I've been looking for it my whole life. You know, what's missing? Why? You know, why? And I like to ask why about everything. But like, honestly, like all answers seem to come from God. For me, it's been a great tool and a vehicle to discover parts of myself and my life and my potential that I might not have ever even known about, you know. So, um, yeah, very important stuff. Very important. Yeah. And may I ask, uh, if someone was to reach out to you, what what can they expect if they connect with you, and how do they do that? Do you have a website? Yeah, they can go to troyhadley.com, um, and I'm also on Instagram, and then we have our online yoga platform. I do coaching one-on-one if people are interested. But I also have a really amazing book. My first book comes out on October 1st. Cool. And it's called... What's it called? It's called My Name is Love. My Name is Love. My Name is Love, and the subtitle is We're Not All That Different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if people want to look for that, they can look for that on Amazon. But really, it's really TroyHoney.com and my Instagram. And my, that's the best place to find me, and I would welcome anyone to reach out. I would love to be a serious and answer any questions Love it. And then it's Troy, T-R-O-Y, and then H-A-D, like David, E-E-D.com, just so people all understand. Um, that's perfect. And if they reach out to you, do you offer like a consultation or what can you do um, to help people or work with people all the way from Trinidad? Yeah, I would gladly, if someone's offering me, I'd gladly do a 10, 15-minute chat to see if I could help. And if they want to do sessions for the coaching or yoga sessions or breathing sessions, I would gladly assist them in any way I can. And if if they desire something I can't assist with, I will come to you up front. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And um, just out of curiosity, what's the favorite? What's your favorite part of what you do? What 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 thing about what you do now in your life is the most important to you and what, what, what offers and holds the most value and meaning to you for what you do? I think when I see it creates a shift or transformation within someone uh-huh. um, and really have an impact, that, um, that is what really means most to me. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's a product of love, isn't it, brother? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, that's a good thing. We really need to focus on loving each other more, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. And we really need to look at what it actually means to love. 
you know, yeah. that can be a whole next podcast for next time. But, you know, some people yeah. without understanding and love is conditional and skewed, you know. Cool. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, honestly, this, this podcast is uh, being recorded in September on the 19th and uh, it won't air until the first week of December. Yeah. Um, but just, just so you're aware, I'll let you know when it comes out, but like, I'm totally interested in doing a second podcast, you know, about something yeah. like that. And, um, I've done that with a couple of different people and I'd love to do it with you, but just having a talk about love would be really nice. And, you know, just really getting into the spirit of love and how that manifests and expresses itself in our different lives and how we can help other people find it in their life. You know, that, yeah. that might be a nice, well, nice how, follow how about this thought? How about I'm going to send you a copy of my book today so you cool. forget by a PDF? Cool. And because okay. um, that book is all about love. And uh, maybe we could, we could, yeah, have that combo later on. Be ready. I would love it, dude. As a matter of fact, you know, another little quick thing here. Um, there's an author. One of my favorite authors is a man named Leo Buscaglia. Have you ever heard of him? No. Mm, that's a good one. And uh, uh, I don't, I don't think I have it here. Or maybe I do. Um, I just need to find it. But he has a book called Love, and yeah. it's a good one. And, um, you know, that's one of the ways that I really learned the importance of that and the value of family, you know, sitting around and talking and sharing and all that is I was reading his books. And, you know, that was in high school for me. So, you know, very important subject. And, you know, in this world, you know, the instant gratification really seems to get everybody's attention and everybody wants it you know, social media dopamine hits and attention and oh let me take a picture of my plate of food you know instead yeah. of just enjoying your meal with someone it's a strange world man yeah. um but when you back it all up and like say hey wait a second let me just take a look from over here instead of you know in the midst it's like okay okay you know we're really missing some of the foundational elements of the human experience here so it's good to get back to our roots i think man and, yeah you know that's in god you know and and really just in that simplicity of experience you know between you and god it doesn't need anything you know to to function you don't need a digital device no cell signal necessary you don't need wi-fi or bluetooth or anything else tiktok doesn't even exist in that world yeah. so it's like you know it's kind of cool um but yeah, I would definitely, uh, at least without getting into too much detail, uh, you know, encourage anyone that might just be struggling in life to turn to God because it's a powerful thing. It really is. It's helped me through things that I struggle with and, you know, I know it can help others as well for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So um, I just can't thank you enough. I think we're right at the point where we're about ready to wrap up. Yeah. Is there anything else that you might like to add for our listeners today you know, that might be important? I would just like to say thank you for listening. I love you and I appreciate you all. Um, love yeah. That. Yeah, go inside and discover that thing that is so much bigger than we are. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Life is quite beautiful, especially when we're focused on God. No question about it. Thank you so much for being here today, Troy Hadid. And for anyone listening, 
you want to reach out to Troy at Troy Hadid, H-A-D, like David, E-E-D.com, and he will gladly speak with you in love about um, everything from yoga to manifesting and helping you to discover a deeper connection with your mind and your body and spirit, really. I mean, you seem to cover all the bases with yoga and prayer, so it's it's a beautiful thing that you do. I just want to thank you for that. I really admire what you're up to. It's a lot of work. Yeah, well, it's it's a labor of love for me. I, I love people, and I'm curious. So, like, you know, I want to know things, and also I'm seeking to understand myself better. And somehow, God gives me these little gifts of people like yourself who, you know, share things that speak to my heart personally. So, I hope that people listening get that value in their life as well that's really the ultimate goal but um, believe me it's it's a labor of love and it, it doesn't seem like work at all yeah <laughs> awesome thank you so much again for being here and i hope you have a wonderful rest of the day Troy. you think for love all love thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast show If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of The Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. 
With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.